Hello, everybody, and welcome. As I mentioned in chat, um, there is uh, there's just a, a, a brute. I dropped one of my tchotchkes. Can't do that. Yeah, I'm good. I dropped my hardware. I did it dumb. <laughs> um, as I said, some some stuff going on in my family right now. Um, it's possible I will have to, you know, cut off in the middle of this, in which case I will, of course, get a clean read in at some point. Um, we shall see. But I do appreciate you all joining me here. Uh, I am going to proceed. We're doing just the one chapter tonight. Um, now, I am, of course, uh, I, I, I like doing the multiple chapter nights. Those are the uh, those are the best ones for me, but, you know, don't always have time for it. 22, hello, how's it going? Uh, by the way, I want to uh, I want to give everyone an opportunity just to take a look at something really quick. Um, this is the, and I, I know some of you have seen this already, this, bop, if you're watching on Mixer, this is the Mixplay panel that we use. Now, before you can do anything with it, uh, you are going to need to read the rules. Uh, that is that is one of the triggers that will allow you to participate. Now, if you're a low, if, you know, if you're if you're new to the channel, you might not be able to participate very much. Um, but feel free to take a look at that if you wish. Um, that is for Chat Plays Dungeon World. That is what we do every Thursday before these streams. Um, I am super excited about that project. It is so much fun so far. We are having. Uh, we're having a really good time. Um, we've got uh, Celius the Hungry, the Minotaur Barbarian. We've got uh, Lenaith the Elf Ranger, and we've got Javier the Elf Wizard. And uh, Hassam, how's it going? My Balma, hello. Welcome to the live show. Um, Courtney, yeah. As once I once I figure out what was actually wrong with it, and why it got pulled in the first place, um, that's when I'm planning to go and re-record Chapter 14. But I think we're doing all right so far. Yeah, so if you're uh, if you're on Mixer watching on desktop, you should be able to interact with the Mixplay panel already. Uh, I'll leave it up for a while if y'all want to take a look through it. Um, and then uh, if you're on mobile, you can tap the screen, uh, use the little three dots in the top right-hand corner, and uh, pull up the panel. But this is just, you know, this is one of the things that we do on Thursdays. It is a lot of fun. So let's get into our review, shall we? What happened last week? I'm in a bit of a bluster. I'm in a bit of a fluster. So, um, truly, I don't remember precisely what happened last week. Let's see. Last week was chapters five and six. Um, an excess of phlegm and Draco's detour. What did we have? Storycat says, I love how there's literally no lag from when I type and when it shows up. I know, right? One of the many blessings of Mixer. Harry did get to the Weasleys. So uh, Dumbledore drops Harry off at the Weasleys. Dumbledore doesn't stay long, but Harry has a chance to see all the people that he loves. Fleur, Bowtie Fox, has got this one. Uh, Fleur's getting married into the Weasley family, and the women are not happy about it. It does seem like um, especially uh, Mrs. Weasley and Ginny and Hermione are all just... Something about Fleur just, does, just rubs them wrong. You know what I mean? I hope that's a saying everywhere. That's just that's it, it's an odd one now that I think about it. But uh, just rubs them the wrong way, and uh, they got their OWL results indeed. Um, it turns out Harry has done quite well. Hermione obviously has done excellently, um, with the exception of what was it? Defense against the dark arts. She just did very good, not excellently. Um, 
Although, no, technically it was outstanding on all of her OWLs, except for one exceeds expectations. So um, she is, of course, heartbroken about this. Um, Harry did quite well in all of his subjects. Uh, did not do well enough in potions to proceed into the next class. He was just, just one under that um, to get into the, the, uh, the advanced potions class that he would need to become an Auror. Um, and he was kind of re reflecting on that, thinking, you know what? It had been a, a Death Eater in disguise who first told Harry about the idea of becoming an Auror, but it had kind of stuck with him. Carsey Lizard says they visited Diagon Alley and ran into Malfoy and then followed him into Nocturne Alley where they hear him threatening Borgen. Malfoy has plans to fix something and he reserves some item. That I am not even going to add to because that's a perfect summary. <laughs> Jujubee says, I think that Ginny is wrong in who she chooses to date, so... <laughs> oh boy. And Mr. Foose says, maybe the one time Ginny has ever been wrong. If she's wrong. Let's see. And Bowtie Fox says, McGonagall's going to be so disappointed that he won't become one. If Umbridge finds out, it's going to make her smug. Indeed. I think that's a pretty good summary. Um, and uh, Harry is... Uh, yeah, Harry's back with his friends. They are going to be heading off to um, Hogwarts pretty soon. Uh, they, they go to Diagon Alley. Uh, and one thing I will add is that... During their time in Diagon Alley, they, they come to understand that uh, there have been some disappearances. Uh, Florian Fortescue of the Ice Cream Parlor. Harry feels some, some, uh, some pangs about that one. <laughs> That's our cat having a panic attack because my girlfriend went to the bathroom and cat isn't supposed to be in the bathroom. Um, and then uh, also Ollivander has disappeared. They don't, know where, they don't know where either of these people are, but they're pretty sure that it's dark magic involved. Book and Hook says, good morning from Australia. How much did you miss? Absolutely nothing so far. We are just in the middle of our, uh, actually, we're wrapping up our um, summary from last week. This is going to be a one chapter week, single chapter week. Uh, so it's going to be a bit shorter, but uh, yeah, I've got, some, I've got some stuff going on in my family right now. Um, it's possible I'll have to interrupt at some point in the middle of this. I'm hoping not. Um, Overall, it's not going to be, I don't think it's going to be monumental, just, you know, I have to, uh, it, it's just, I, I'm, I'm very close to with, with my family, and um, so I, I get the occasional phone call from somebody who's not sure, you know, what else to, what else to try, and I like to be available for that. So, as always, I hope... Um, that you had a good week so far. I hope you are, um, for the most part, staying inside. I hope you are getting some sun, but I hope you're staying inside. I hope you are uh, washing your hands. Don't touch your face. All that good stuff. Um, it's a slightly longer than average chapter, but mostly I just didn't have time to prepare a second one. Um, I want to uh, give some very special thanks to uh, two people specifically, one of which isn't even here right now. Ruh, ruh, raggy. Um, first of all, um, Luke... Mr. Foose in, uh, in Mixer Chat um, has really done me a big favor and found uh, he was the one who hunted down most of the art that we were using for this chapter. Um, with the notable exception of one of the art pieces, you'll see Luna's portrait coming up. This was um, contributed to us by none other than 
Ashling, aka Twisty Fox, from the Discord chat. I don't think she jumps into Mixer very often. I think she sticks with Discord, but um, we are indeed going to be uh, using her her portrait of of Luna today. So keep an eye out for that. With all that said, I hope you enjoy. I'm going to turn off this uh, mixed play panel now. Um, I hope you enjoyed the chapter. I was going to say something else. I forgot what it. Oh yeah, my my usual shtick. Um, if you've got something that you would like to discuss, I would love to talk about it. So go ahead and put it into chat. We will discuss it as soon as I got the opportunity, either at a chapter break or uh, after the chapter is over. So thank you very much for joining me. Let's read, shall we? Usual shtick. Just a second. Crazy boy. I appreciate it. Here we go. Chapter 7. The Slug Club. <laughs> Harry spent a lot of the last week of holidays pondering the meaning of Malfoy's behavior in Nocturnally. What disturbed him most was the satisfied look on Malfoy's face as he had left the shop. Nothing that made Malfoy look that happy could be good news. To his slight annoyance, however, neither Ron nor Hermione seemed quite as curious about Malfoy's activities as he was. Or at least they seemed to get bored of discussing it after a few days. "'Yes, I've already agreed it was fishy, Harry,' said Hermione a little impatiently. She was sitting on the windowsill in Fred and George's room with her feet up on one of the cardboard boxes and had only grudgingly looked up from her new copy of Advanced Rune Translation. But we haven't agreed that there could be a lot of explanations. Whoops, let's try that one more time. Expect a decent bit of that this week. It's rampant. Okay, hold on, hold on. That's too sensitive. Hold on. I gotta mess with my mic, I'm sorry. I'm sure this is hellish for the listeners. My bad. Haven't we already agreed that there could be a lot of explanations? Maybe he's broken his hand of glory, said Ron vaguely, as he attempted to straighten his broomstick's bent tail twigs. You remember that shriveled up arm Malfoy had? But what about when he said, don't forget to keep that one safe, said Harry for the umpteenth time. That sounded to me like Borgen's got another one of the broken objects, and Malfoy wants both. Oh, you reckon, said Ron now trying to scrape some dirt off of his broom handle. Yeah, I do, said Harry. When neither Ron nor Hermione answered, he said, Malfoy's father's in Azkaban. Don't you think that Malfoy would like revenge? Ron looked up, blinking. Malfoy? Revenge? What can he do about it? That's my point, I don't know, said Harry, frustrated. But he's up to something, and I think we should take it seriously. His father is a Death Eater, and... Harry broke off, his eyes fixed on the window behind Hermione. His mouth opened. A startling thought had just occurred to him. Harry? said Hermione, in an anxious voice. What's wrong? Your scar's not hurting again, is it? said Ron nervously. He's a Death Eater, said Harry slowly. He's replaced his father as a Death Eater. 
There was a silence. <laughs> then Ron erupted in laughter. Malfoy? He's 16, Harry. You think that you know who would let Malfoy in? It seems very unlikely, Harry, said Hermione in a repressive sort of voice. What makes you think? In Madame Malkins. She didn't touch him, but he yelled and jerked his arm away from her when she went to roll up his sleeve. It was his left arm. He's been branded with a dark mark. Ron and Hermione looked at each other. <laughs> well, said Ron, sounding thoroughly unconvinced. I think he just wanted to get out of there, Harry, said Hermione. He showed Borgin something that we couldn't see, Harry pressed on stubbornly. Something that seriously scared Borgin. It was the mark, I know it. He was showing Borgin who he was dealing with. You saw how seriously Borgin took him. Harry and... Oh, Ron and Hermione exchanged another look. I'm not sure, Harry. Yeah, I still don't reckon that you know who would let Malfoy in. Annoyed, but absolutely convinced that he was right. <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> Harry snatched up a pile of filthy Quidditch robes and left the room. Mrs. Weasley had been urging them for days not to leave their washing and packing until the last moment. On the landing, he bumped into Ginny, who was returning to her room carrying a pile of freshly laundered clothes. I wouldn't go down to the kitchen just now, she warned him. There's a lot of phlegm around. I'll be careful not to slip in it, Harry smiled. Sure enough, when he entered the kitchen, it was to find Fleur sitting at the kitchen table, in full flow about plans for her wedding to Bill, while Mrs. Weasley kept watch over a pile of self-peeling sprouts looking bad-tempered. Bill and I have almost decided on only two bridesmaids. Ginny and Cabrel would look very sweet together. I'm thinking of dressing them in pale gold. Pink would, of course, look horrible with Ginny's hair. Oh, Harry, said Mrs. Weasley loudly, cutting across Fleur's monologue. Good. I wanted to explain about security arrangements for the journey to Hogwarts tomorrow. We've got ministry cars again, and there'll be orders waiting at the station. Is Tonks going to be there? asked Harry, handing over his Quidditch things. No, I don't think so. She's been stationed somewhere else from what Arthur said. She has let herself go, that Tonks. Fleur mused, examining her own stunning reflection on the back of a teaspoon. A big mistake, if you ask. Yes, thank you, said Mrs. Weasley tartly, cutting across Fleur again. You better get on, Larry. I want the trunks ready tonight, if possible, so we don't have the last usual mat last... Oh, boy. So we don't have the usual last-minute scramble. And in fact, their departure the following morning was smoother than usual. The ministry cars glided up to the front of the burrow to find them waiting, trunks packed. Hermione's cat, Crookshanks, safely closed in his traveling basket, and Hedwig, Ron's owl... Oh, and Hedwig, Ron's owl, Pigwidgeon, and Ginny's new purple pygmy puff, Arnold, in cages. I really wish I could voice a tiny little pink pygmy puff with Arnold. Arnold. A bit of Arnold for you. Au revoir, Harry, said Fleur throatily, kissing him goodbye. Ron hurried forward, looking hopeful, but Ginny stuck out her foot, and Ron fell, sprawling in the dust at Fleur's feet. Furious, red-faced, and dirt-spattered, he hurried into the car without saying goodbye. Kaiser Lizard wants to know what a pygmy puff sounds like. I told you what they sound like. It sounds like these. 
There was no cheerful Hagrid waiting for them at King's Cross Station. <laughs> um, Storycat has put in a very excellent gif of, uh, of Ron. Well done. Well done, Storycat. There was no cheerful Hagrid waiting for them at King's Cross Station. Instead, two grim-faced, bearded aurors in dark muggle suits moved forward the moment the car stopped and, flanking the party, marched them into the station without speaking. Quick, quick, through the barrier, said Mrs. Weasley, who seemed a little flustered by this austere efficiency. Harry, you better go first with... She looked inquiringly at one of the aurors who nodded briefly, seized Harry's upper arm and attempted to steer him toward the barrier between platforms 9 and 10. I can walk, thanks, said Harry irritably, jerking his arm out of the Auror's grip. He pushed his trolley directly at the solid barrier, ignoring his silent companion, and found himself a second later standing on platform nine and three quarters, where the scarlet Hogwarts Express stood belching steam over the crowd. Hermione and the Weasleys joined him within seconds. Without waiting to consult his grim-faced Auror, Harry motioned to Ron and Hermione to follow him up to the platform looking for an empty compartment. We can't, Harry, said Hermione, looking apologetic. Ron and I have to go to the prefix carriage first and then patrol the corridors for a bit. Oh, yeah, I forgot, said Harry. You, you better wait. No, you better get straight to the train, all of you. You've only got a few minutes to go, said Mrs. Weasley, consulting her watch. Well, have a lovely term, Ron. Mr. Weasley, can I have a quick word? said Harry, making up his mind in the spur of the moment. Of course, said Mr. Weasley, who looked slightly surprised, but followed Harry out of earshot of the others, nonetheless. Harry had thought it through carefully, and come to the conclusion that if he was to tell anyone, Mr. Weasley was the right person. Firstly, because he worked at the Ministry and was therefore in the best position to make further investigations, and secondly, because he thought that there was... Not too much risk of Mr. Weasley exploding with anger. He could see Mr. Weasley and oh, he could see Mrs. Weasley and the grim-faced Auror casting the pair of them suspicious looks as they moved away. When we were in Diagon Alley, Harry began, but Mr. Weasley forestalled him with a grimace. Am I about to discover where you, Ron and Hermione, disappeared to while well, you were supposed to be in the back room of Fred and George's shop? How did you? Harry, please, you're talking to the man who raised Fred and George. Um, yeah. All right, we weren't in the back room. Very well, then. Let's hear the worst. Well, we followed Draco Malfoy. We used my invisibility cloak. Did you have any particular reason for doing so, or was it on a mere whim? Because I thought... Malfoy was up to something, said Harry, disregarding Mr. Weasley's look of mingled exasperation and amusement. He'd given his mother the slip, and I wanted to know why. Of course you did, said Mr. Weasley, sounding resigned. Well, did you find out why? He went into Borgen and Burke's, said Harry, and started bullying the bloke in there, Borgen, to help him fix something. And then he wanted Borgin to keep something else for him. He made it sound like it was the same kind of thing that needed fixing, like they were a pair. And Harry took a deep breath. 
there's something else. We saw Malfoy jump about a mile when Madame Malkin tried to touch his left arm. I think he's been branded with the Dark Mark. I think he's replaced his father as a Death Eater. Mr. Weasley looked taken aback. After a moment, he said, Harry, I doubt whether you know who would allow a 16-year-old. Does anyone really know what you know who would or wouldn't do? said Harry angrily. Mr. Weasley, I'm sorry, but isn't it worth investigating? If Malfoy wants something fixing, and he needs to threaten Borgin to get it done, it's probably something dark or dangerous, isn't it? I doubt it, to be honest, Harry, said Mr. Weasley slowly. You see, when Lucius Malfoy was arrested, we raided his house. We took away everything that might have been dangerous. I think you missed something, said Harry stubbornly. Well, maybe, said Mr. Weasley, but Harry could tell Mr. Weasley was humouring him. There was a whistle behind them. Nearly everyone had boarded the train and the doors were closing. You better hurry, said Mr. Weasley, as Mrs. Weasley cried, Hurry, quickly! He hurried forward and Mr. and Mrs. Weasley helped him load his trunk under the train. Now, dear, you're coming to us for Christmas. It's all fixed with Dumbledore, so we'll see you quite soon, said Mrs. Weasley through the window as Harry slammed the door shut behind him and the train began to move. You make sure that you look after yourself and... The train was gathering speed. Be good and... She was jogging to keep up now. Stay safe. Harry waved until the train had turned a corner. Mrs. And Mr. and Mrs. Weasley were lost to view, then turned to see where the others had got to. He supposed Ron and Hermione were cloistered in the prefect's carriage, but Ginny was a little way along the corridor, chatting to some friends. He made his way toward her, dragging his trunk. People stared shamelessly as he approached. They even pressed their faces against the windows of their compartments to get a look at him. He had expected an upswing of the amount of gaping and gawping that he had to endure this term after all the Chosen One rumors and the Daily Prophet, but he did not enjoy the sensation of standing in this very bright spotlight. He tapped Ginny on the shoulder. Fancy trying to find a compartment? I can't, Harry. I said that I'd meet Dean, said Ginny brightly. I'll see you later. Right, said Harry. He felt a strange twinge of annoyance as she walked away, her long red hair dancing behind her. He had become so used to her presence over the summer he had almost forgotten that Ginny did not hang around with him, Ron, and Hermione while at school. And he blinked and looked around. He was surrounded by mesmerized girls. Hi, Harry, said a familiar voice from behind him. Neville, said Harry in relief, turning around to see a round-faced boy struggling toward him. Hello, Harry, said a girl with long hair and large misty eyes who was just behind Neville. And I will once again draw everyone's attention to the art by in the top right corner of the mixer page. Hi, Luna, how are you? Very well, thank you, said Luna. She was clutching a magazine to her chest. Large letters on the front announced that there was a pair of free spectra specs inside. Quibble still going strong, then? asked Harry, who felt a certain fondness for the magazine, having given it an exclusive interview the previous year. Oh, yes, circulation is well up, said Luna happily. Let's find seats, said
said Harry, and the three of them set off along the train through hordes of silently staring students. At last they found an empty compartment, and Harry hurried inside gratefully. That he'd been staring at us, said Neville, indicating himself and Luna. Because we're with you. They're staring at you because you were at the Ministry too, said Harry, as he hoisted his trunk into the luggage rack. Our little adventure there was all over the Daily Prophet. You must have seen it. Yeah, I thought Grad would be angry about all the publicity, said Neville. But she was really pleased. She says I'm starting to live up to my dad at long last. She bought me a new wand. Look. She pulled it out. He pulled it out and showed it to Harry. Cherry and you the cold hair, he said proudly. I think it was one of the last ones that Ollivander ever sold. He vanished the next day. Oi, go back here, Trevor. And he dived under the seat to retrieve his toad as it made one of its frequent bids for freedom. Are we still doing DA meetings this year, Harry? Asked Luna, who was detaching a pair of psychedelic spectacles from the middle of the quibbler. Nice one, kid. That's not in the book. Sorry. Bowtie Fox put that in chat and I don't know why it got me. No point now that we've got rid of Umbridge, is there? Said Harry, sitting down. Neville bumped his head against the seat as he emerged from under it. He looked most disappointed. I liked the DA. I learned loads with you. I enjoyed the meetings too, said Luna serenely. It was like having friends. This was one of those uncomfortable things Luna often said, and which made Harry feel a squirming mixture of pity and embarrassment. Before he could respond, however, there was a disturbance outside their compartment door. A group of fourth-year girls was whispering and giggling together on the other side of the glass. You ask him. No, you. I'll do it. And one of them, a bold-looking girl with dark eyes, a prominent chin and long black hair, pushed her way through the door. Hi, Harry, I'm Romilda, Romilda Vane, she said loudly and confidently. Why don't you join us in our compartment? You don't have to sit with them. She added in a stage whisper, indicating Neville's bottom, which was sticking out from under the seat again as he groped around for Trevor, and Luna, who was now wearing her free specter specs, which gave her the look of a demented, multicolored owl. They're friends of mine, said Harry coldly. Oh, said the girl, looking very surprised. Oh, okay and she withdrew, sliding the door closed behind her. "'People expect you to have cooler friends than us,' said Luna, once again displaying her knack for embarrassing honesty. "'You are cool,' said Harry shortly. "'None of them was at the Ministry. They didn't fight with me.' "'That's a very nice thing to say,' beamed Luna. Then she pushed her specter specs farther up her nose and settled down to read the quibbler." We did face him, though, said Neville, emerging from under the seat with fluff and dust in his hair and a resigned-looking Trevor in his hand. You did. You should hear my grand talk about you. That Harry Potter's got more backbone than the whole Ministry of Magic put together. She'd give anything to have you as a grandson. Harry laughed uncomfortably and changed the subject to OWL results as soon as he could. While Neville recited his grades and wondered aloud whether he would be allowed to take a transfiguration N-E-W-T with only an acceptable, Harry watched him without really listening. Neville's childhood had been blighted by Voldemort, 
just as much as Harry's had, but Neville had no idea how close he had come to having Harry's destiny. The prophecy could have referred to either of them, yet for his own inscrutable reasons, Voldemort had chosen to believe that Harry was the one meant. Had Voldemort chosen Neville? It would have been Neville, sitting opposite Harry, bearing the lightning-shaped scar and the weight of the prophecy. Or would it? Would Neville's mother have died to save him, as Lily had died for Harry? Surely she would, but what if she had been unable to stand between her son and Voldemort? Would there have been no chosen one at all? An empty seat where Neville now sat and a scarless Harry who would have been kissed goodbye by his own mother, not Ron's? You all right, Harry? You look fully, said Neville. Harry started. Sorry, I... Raxbert got you, said Luna sympathetically, peering at Harry through her enormous colored spectacles. I... what? A Raxbert. They're invisible. They float in through your ears and make your brain go fuzzy, she said. I thought I felt one zooming around in here. She flapped her hands at thin air, as though beating off large invisible moths. Harry and Neville caught each other's eyes and hastily began to talk of Quidditch. The weather beyond the train windows was as patchy as it had been all summer. They passed through stretches of the chilling mist, then out into weak, clear sunlight. It was during one of the clear spells, when the sun was almost directly overhead, that Ron and Hermione entered the compartment at last. I wish the lunch trolley with Harry up, I'm starving, said Ron longingly, slumping into the seat beside Harry and rubbing his stomach. Hi, Neville. Hi, Luna. Guess what? He added, turning to Harry. Malfoy's not doing prefect duty. Just sitting in his compartment with the other Slytherins. We saw them there when we passed. Harry sat up straight, interested. It was not like Malfoy to pass up the chance to demonstrate his power as a prefect, which he had happily abused all the previous year. What did he do when he saw you? Oh, the usual, said Ron indifferently, demonstrating a rude hand gesture. Not like him, though, is it? Well, that is. He did the hand gesture again. But why isn't he out there bullying first years? I don't know, said Harry, but his mind was racing. Didn't this look as though Malfoy had more important things on his mind than bullying younger students? Maybe he preferred the Inquisitorial Squad, said Hermione. Maybe being a prefect seems a bit tame after that. I don't think so. I think he's... But before he could expound on his theory, the compartment door slid open again and a breathless third-year girl stepped inside. I'm supposed to deliver these to Neville Longbottom and Harry P Potter, she faltered as her eyes met Harry's. She turned scarlet. She was holding out two scrolls of parchment tied with violet ribbon. Perplexed, Harry and Neville took the scroll addressed to each of them and the girl stumbled back out of the compartment. What is it? Ron demanded, as Harry unrolled his. An invitation, said Harry. Harry, I would be delighted if you'd join me for a bite of lunch in compartment C. Sincerely, Professor H.G.F. Slughorn. I think it's H.G.F. I cannot read this PDF. H.E.F.? I'm not sure. Who's Professor Slughorn? said Neville, looking perplexedly at his own invitation. 
new teacher, said Harry. Well, I suppose we'll have to go, won't we? But what does he want me for? said Neville nervously, as though he were expecting a detention. No idea, said Harry, which was not entirely true, though he had no proof yet that his hunch was correct. Listen, he added, seized by a sudden brainwave, let's go under the invisibility cloak, and we might be able to get a good look at Malfoy on the way, see what he's up to. There you go, folks. Chatter break. Okay, once again, this is not this is not open for people who are who are gonna who have already you know read through these and who already know the answer. So, our chatter break question for anyone new: What do you think Malfoy's up to? What's Malfoy doing? Why is he just sitting in his train car? Why isn't he out goofing with younger students? Why isn't he out uh, making their life more difficult? He's breaking his habits. Hmm. <laughs> Attempting self-improvement, says Story Cat. Yeah, maybe just maybe just uh, meditating. You know, he could be meditating. We don't know. E M A S zero six zero eight. Um, what would you like to be known as? I think this is a this is a new new uh, new name I haven't heard around before. I always want to say a new face that I haven't seen around before, but I can't see your face. How creepy would it be if I could though? <laughs> uh, let me go back here so that people know when to skip back. Hosam, that's another new name. Hello, welcome. Twenty two says he seems worried. Might have something to do with what Snape and Bellatrix and his mom were talking about. Hassan says, I think he's nervous of the mission Voldemort required him to do. We shall see. Maybe he's talking about the summer? Like a prank? Who knows? I mean, I'm guessing a lot of us know, to be fair. Courtney is wondering, I wonder why nobody thinks that Malfoy could be a Death Eater. Because like Harry said, do we really know what Voldemort would do? Um... And I think that's a good point. I think, uh, you know, as we're looking at Voldemort's actions, it certainly doesn't seem like he is, he does anything in moderation. You know what I mean? We've already seen him, you know, we've, we've seen him use Ginny before. She wasn't a Death Eater for sure, but, uh, you know, it seems like he takes help where he can get it. Cyanide <laughs> says, slang and ice cream. First name is Aaron, like Aaron. Okay, gotcha. Aaron, welcome. Oh, uh, Eamon? Ama? Eamon? Oh, boy. Aaron? Oh, for, your first name is Aaron. Okay, good. That's what we'll go with. Assuming I can remember. Aaron? <laughs> I do not, says Louis Allen. All right, let's jump back. Let's jump back. Y'all can keep talking about it. See what you think. <laughs> Aaron, <laughs> good enough. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, let's see. Where are we at here? I think it was this one. Yeah. This idea, however, came to nothing. The corridors, which were packed with people and on the lookout for the lunch trolley, were immediate. Oops, were impossible to negotiate while wearing the cloak. Harry stowed it regretfully back in his bag, reflecting that it would have been nice to wear it just to avoid all the staring, which seemed to have increased in intensity since he was walking down the last train. 
which seemed to have increased in intensity even since he had last walked down the train. It's a rough night, folks. Every now and then, students would hurtle out of their compartments to get a better look at him. The exception was Cho Chang, who darted into her compartment when she saw Harry coming. As Harry passed the window, he saw her deep and determined conversation with her friend Marietta, who was wearing a very thick layer of makeup that did not entirely obscure the odd formation of pimples still etched across her face. Smirking slightly, Harry pushed on. When they reached compartment C, they saw at once that they were not Slughorn's only invitees, though judging by the enthusiasm of Slughorn's voice, Harry was the most warmly anticipated. Harry, my boy, said Slughorn, jumping at the sight of him so that his great velvet-colored belly seemed to fill all the remaining space in the compartment. His shiny bald head and great silvery mustache gleamed as brightly as the sunlight as the golden... As brightly as the sunlight... Oh, here we go. As brightly in the sunlight as the golden buttons on his waistcoat. Good to see you, good to see you, and you must be Mr. Longbottom. Neville nodded, looking scared. At a gesture from Slughorn, they sat down opposite each other in the only two empty seats, which were nearest to the door. Harry glanced around at their fellow guests. He recognized a Slytherin from their year, a tall black boy with high cheekbones and long slanting eyes. There were also two seventh-year boys Harry did not know, and, squashed in the corner beside Slughorn and looking as though she was not entirely sure how she had got there, Ginny. Now, do you know everybody? Slughorn asked Harry and Neville. Blaze the beanies in your year, of course. The beanie did not make any sign of recognition or greeting, nor did Harry or Neville. Gryffindor and Slytherin students loathed each other on principle. This is Cormac McLaughlin. Perhaps you come across each other? No? McLaughlin, a large, wiry-haired youth, raised a hand, and Harry and Neville nodded back at him. This is Marcus Belby. I don't know whether... Belby, who was thin and nervous-looking, gave a strained smile. And this charming young lady tells me she knows you. Slughorn finished. Ginny grimaced at Harry and Neville from behind Slughorn's back. Well, now, this is most pleasant, said Slughorn cozily. A chance to get to know all of you a little better. Here, take a napkin. I packed my own lunch. The trolley, as I remember, is heavy on licorice wands, and a poor old man's digestive system isn't quite up to such things. Pheasant, Belby. Belby started and accepted what looked like half of a cold pheasant. I was just telling young Marcus here I had the pleasure of teaching his uncle Damocles. Silicorn told Harry and Neville, now passing around a basket of rolls. Outstanding, was it? Outstanding. And his order of Merlin, most well-deserved. Do you see much of your uncle, Marcus? Unfortunately... Uh, Belby had just taken a large mouthful of pheasant. In his haste to answer Slughorn, he swallowed too fast, turning purple and beginning to choke. A nepneal, said Slughorn calmly, pointing his wand at Belby, whose airway seemed to clear at once. No, not much of him, no, gasped Belby, his eyes streaming. Well, of course I dare say he's busy. 
said Slughorn, looking questioningly at Belby. I doubt he invented the wolfsbane potion without considerable hard work. I suppose, said Belby, who seemed afraid to take another bite of pheasant until he was sure Slughorn had finished with him. I'm... He and my dad don't get on very well, you see, so I don't really know much about... His voice tailed away as Slughorn gave him a cold smile and turned to McLoggan instead. Now you, Cormac, said Slughorn, I happen to know that you see a lot of your Uncle Tiberius because he is a rather splendid picture of the two of you, hunting nogtails, I think. Norfolk? Uh, oh, yeah, that was fun, that was, said McLaggan. We went with Barty Higgs, Ralphie Scrimgeour. This was before he became minister, obviously. Ah, you know Barty and Rufus, too, beamed Slughorn, now offering a small tray of pies. Somehow, Belby was missed out. Now, tell me. It was as Harry had expected. Everyone here seemed to have been invited because they were connected to somebody well-known or influential. Everyone except Ginny. Zabini, who was interrogated after McLoggan, turned out to have a famously beautiful witch for a mother. From what Harry could make out, she had been married seven times, each of her husbands dying mysteriously and leaving her mounds of gold. It was Neville's turn next. This was a very uncomfortable ten minutes. For Neville's parents, well-known orders had been tortured into insanity by Bellatrix Lestrange and a couple of Death Eater cronies. At the end of Neville... Ooh. Sorry, that was probably loud. At the end of Neville's interview, Harry had the impression that Slughorn was reserving judgment on Neville, yet to see whether he had any of his parents' flair. And now, said Slughorn, shifting massively in his seat with the air of a compare introducing his star act. Harry Potter, where to begin? I feel I barely scratched the surface when we met over the summer. He contemplated Harry for a moment as he was a, as though he were a particularly large and succulent piece of pheasant, and then said, The Chosen One. They're calling you that now. Harry said nothing. Belby, McLoggan, and Zabini were all staring at him. Of course, said Slughorn, watching Harry closely. There have been rumors for years. I remember when... Well, after that terrible night, Lily, James, and, and you survived. The word was you must have powers beyond the ordinary. Sabini gave a tiny little cough that was clearly supposed to indicate amused skepticism. An angry voice burst out from behind Slughorn. Yeah, Zabini, because you're so talented at posing. <laughs> oh dear, chuckled Slughorn comfortably, looking around at Ginny, who was glaring at Zabini around Slughorn's great belly. <laughs> you want to be careful, Blaze. I saw this young lady perform the most marvelous bat-buggy hex as I was passing her carriage. I wouldn't cross her. Zabini merely looked contemptuous. Anyway, said Slughorn, turning back to Harry, such room as this, son. Of course, one doesn't know what to believe. The prophet has been known to print inaccuracies, make mistakes. But there seems little doubt, given the number of witnesses. 
that there was quite a disturbance in the ministry, and that you, there, in the thick of it all. Harry, who could not see any way out of this without flatly lying, nodded, but still said nothing. Dumbledore beamed at him. So mar... Oh, I almost said Dumbledore. I did say Dumbledore. Slughorn beamed at him. So modest, so modest. No wonder Dumbledore was so fond. You were there, then. But the rest of the story is so sensational, of course. One doesn't know what to believe. This fabled prophecy, for instance. We never heard the prophecy, said Neville, turning geranium pink as he said it. That's right, said Ginny staunchly. Neville and I were both there too, and all this chosen one rubbish is just a prophet making things up as usual. You were both there too, were you? said Slughorn with great interest, looking from Ginny to Neville, but both of them sat clam-like before his encouraging smile. Yes, well, it is true that the prophet often exaggerates, of course, Slughorn said, sounding a little disappointed. I remember dear Gwynog telling me, Gwynog Jones, I mean, of course, captain of the Hollyhead Harpies. He meandered off into a long-winded reminiscence, but Harry had the distinct impression Slughorn had not finished with him, that he had not been convinced by Neville and Ginny. The afternoon wore on in more anecdotes about illustrious wizards Slughorn had taught. All of them had been delighted to join what he called the Slug Club at Hogwarts. Harry could not wait to leave, but couldn't see how to do so politely. Finally, the train emerged from yet another long, misty stretch into a red sunset, and Slughorn looked around, blinking in the twilight. <laughs> Good gracious, it's getting dark already. I didn't notice they'd lit the lamps. You better go change into your robes, all of you. McCloggan, you must drop by and borrow that book on Nogtails. Harry, Blaze, any time you're passing. Same goes for you, miss, he twinkled at Jenny. Well, off you go, off you go. As he pushed past Harry into the darkened corridor, Zabini shot him a filthy look that Harry returned with interest. He, Jenny, and Neville followed Zabini back along the train. I'm glad that's over, muttered Neville. Strange bad, isn't he? Aaron, have a good one. See you later. Yeah, he is a bit, said Harry, his eyes on Zabini. How come you ended up in there, Ginny? He saw me hex Zachariah Smith, said Ginny. You remember that idiot from a football who was in the DA? He kept on and on asking me about what's happened at the ministry, and in the end he annoyed me so much, I hexed him. When Slughorn came in, I thought I was going to get detention, but he just thought it was a really good hex. Invited me to lunch. Mad, eh? But a reason for inviting some of them because their mother's famous, said Harry, scowling at the back of Zabini's head. Or because their uncle... He broke off. An idea had just occurred to him. A reckless but potentially wonderful idea. In a minute's time, Zabini was going to re-enter the Slytherin sixth-year compartment, and Malfoy would be sitting there, thinking himself unheard by anybody except fellow Slytherins. If Harry could only enter, unseen, behind him, what might he not see or hear? 
True, there was little of the journey left. Hogsmeade Station had to be less than half an hour away, judging by the wildness of the scenery flashing by the windows. But nobody else seemed to be prepared to take Harry's suspicions seriously. So it was down to him to prove them. I'll see you two later, said Harry under his breath, pulling out his invisibility cloak and flinging it over himself. But what are you? asked Neville. Later, whispered Harry, darting after Zabini as quietly as possible, though the rattling of the train made such caution almost pointless. The corridors were almost completely empty now. Nearly everyone had returned to their carriages to change into their school robes and pack up their possessions. Though he was as close as he could get to Zabini without touching him, Harry was not quick enough to slip into the compartment when Zabini opened the door. Zabini was already sliding it shut when Harry hastily stuck out his foot to prevent it closing. Did we get a voice for Zabini? I think we need a voice for Zabini. What do we like? Who do we like for Blaze Zabini? Who does he remind you of? And I'll do my terrible, terrible impression of Blaze Zabini for you. Who do we need? What do we got, folks? Millhouse, shoot, this is terrible. Uh, if, if it helps, most of my most of my sort of uh, I'll say vocal capabilities uh, or familiar familiarness, <laughs> Organ Freeman. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Um, uh, comes from TV. I tend toward. Uh, you know, longer form TV shows like uh, HBO shows are some of my favorite stuff anywhere uh, rather than films or uh, I, th I think I could probably pull out, pull off, pull out Millhouse, Anakin. <laughs> I like the idea of, of uh, Oregon Freeman, though. It sounds like something. <laughs> It'd be very funny. Um, I don't know what Joe Exotic sounds like. I'm sorry. I'll try like a young Morgan Freeman. Everyone, welcome, Organ Freeman. Oh, man, this is gonna suck. <laughs> I hope you're ready. I've tried this one before. I cannot land it. Oh, I can't do it for laughing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Organ Freeman. Organ Villier Freeman is what we're gonna call this one, probably. Although Rachel comes with the good names for him. What's wrong with this thing? <laughs> Said Sabini angrily as he smashed the sliding door repeatedly onto Harry's foot. Harry seized the door and pushed it open hard. Zabini, still clinging onto the handle, toppled over sideways into Gregory Goyle's lap, and in the ensuing ruckus, Harry darted into the compartment, leapt into Zabini's temporarily empty seat, and hoisted himself up into the luggage rack. It was fortunate that Goyle and Zabini were snarling at each other, drawing all eyes onto them, for Harry was quite sure his feet and ankles had been revealed as the cloak had flapped around them. Indeed, for one horrible moment, he thought he saw Malfoy's eyes follow his trainer as it whipped upward out of sight. But then Goyle slammed the door shut and flung Zabini off him. Zabini collapsed into his own seat, looking ruffled. Vincent Crabbe returned to his comic, and Malfoy, sniggering, lay back across the two seats with his head in Pansy Parkinson's lap. Harry lay curled uncomfortably under the cloak to ensure that every inch of him remained hidden and watched Pansy stroke the sleek blonde hair of Malfoy's forehead, smirking as she did so, as though anyone would have loved to have been in her place. The lantern swinging from the carriage ceiling cast a bright light over the scene. Harry could read every word of Crabbe's comically... Whoops. Of Crabbe's comic directly below him. 
so, Zabini, said Malfoy, what did Slughorn want? Just trying to make up to well-connected people, said Zabini, who was still glowering at Goyle. Okay, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Not that he managed to find many. This information did not seem to please Malfoy. How else had he invited? He demanded. McCloggan from Gryffindor, said Zabini. <laughs> oh, yes, his uncle's big in the ministry, said Malfoy. Someone else called Belby from Ravenclaw. It's getting better. It's improving. Not him. He's a prat, said Pansy. And Longbottom, Potter, that Weasley girl, finished Zabini. Malfoy sat up very suddenly, knocking Pansy's hand aside. He invited Longbottom. Well, I assume so, as Longbottom was there, said Zabini indifferently. What's Longbottom got to interest Slughorn? Zabini shrugged. Potter. Precious Potter obviously wanted to look at the Chosen One, sneered Malfoy. But that Weasley girl, what's so special about her? A lot of boys like her said Pansy, watching Malfoy out of the corner of her eye for his reaction. Even you think she's good-looking, don't you, Blaze? And we all know how hard you are to please. I wouldn't touch a filthy little blood traitor like her, whatever she looked like, said Zabini coldly. It's turning into a weird combination of Morgan Freeman and, like, <laughs> Catherine Hepburn. <laughs> Zabini said coldly, and Pansy looked pleased. Malfoy sank back across her lap and allowed her to resume the stroking of his hair. Well, I pity Slughorn's taste. Maybe he's going a bit senile. Shame. My father always said he was a good wizard in his day. My father used to be a bit of a favourite of his. Slughorn probably hasn't heard I'm on the train, or... I wouldn't bank on an invitation, said Zabini. He asked me about Nott's father when I first arrived. They used to be old friends, apparently, but when he heard he got caught in the ministry, he didn't look happy. And Nott didn't get an invitation, did he? I don't think Slughorn's interest... Oh, I don't think Slughorn is interested in Death Eaters. Malfoy looked angry, but forced out a singularly humorless laugh. He's right, you know. <laughs> Who cares what he's interested in? What is he, when you come down to it? Just some stupid teacher? Malfoy yawned ostentatiously. I mean, I might not even be at Hogwarts next year. What's it matter to me if some fat old has-been likes me or not? What do you mean you might not be at Hogwarts next year? Said Pansy indignantly, ceasing grooming Malfoy at once. Well, you never know, said Malfoy with a ghost of a smirk. I might have, uh... Moved on to bigger and better things. Crouched in the luggage rack under his cloak, Harry's heart began to race. What would Ron and Hermione say about this? Crabbe and Goyle were gawping at Malfoy. Apparently they had no inkling of any plans to move on to bigger and better things. Even Zabini was allowing a look of curiosity to mar his haughty features. Pansy resumed the slow stroking of Malfoy's hair, looking dumbfounded. Do you mean... him? Malfoy shrugged. Mother wants me to complete my education, but personally I don't see it being that important these days. 
I mean, think about it. When the Dark Lord takes over, is he going to care how many OWLs or NEWTs anyone's got? Of course he isn't. It'll be all about what kind of service he received, the level of devotion he was shown. And you think you'll be able to do something for him? Asked Sabini scathingly. Sixteen years old, not even a fully qualified wizard yet. I've just said, hasn't, haven't I? Maybe he doesn't care if I'm qualified. Maybe the job he wants me to do isn't something that you need to be qualified for, said Malfoy quietly. Crab and Goyle were both sitting with their mouths open like gargoyles. Pansy was gazing down at Malfoy as though she had never seen anything so awe-inspiring. I can see Hogwarts said Malfoy, clearly relishing the effect he had created as he pointed out of the blackened window. we better get our robes on. Harry was so busy staring at Malfoy, he did not notice Goyle reaching up for his trunk. As he swung it down, it hit Harry hard on the side of the head. He let out an involuntary gasp of pain, and Malfoy looked up at the rugged, rug, rugged, rugged frack. Let's do it. Malfoy looked up at the luggage rack, frowning. Harry was not afraid of Malfoy, but he still did not much like the idea of being discovered hiding under his invisibility cloak by a group of unfriendly Slytherins. Eyes still watering and head still throbbing, he drew his wand, careful not to disarrange the cloak, and waited, breath held. To his relief, Malfoy seemed to decide that he had imagined the noise. He pulled on his robes like the others, locked his trunk, and as the train slowed to a jerky crawl, fastened a thick new traveling cloak around his neck. See you later, Carzy. Harry could see the corridors filling up again and hoped that Hermione and Ron would take his things out, into the, out of the platform for them. He was stuck where he was until the compartment had emptied. At last, with a final lurch, the train came to a complete halt. Goyle threw the door open and muscled his way out into the crowd of second years, punching them aside. Crab and Zabini followed. You go on, Malfoy told Pansy, who was waiting for him, with her hand held out as though hoping he would hold it. I just want to check something. Pansy left. Now Harry and Malfoy were alone in the compartment. People were filing past, descending into the dark platform. Malfoy moved over to the compartment door and let down the blinds so that the people in the corridor beyond could not peer in. He then bent down over his trunk and opened it again. Harry peered down over the edge of the luggage rack, his heart pumping a little faster. What had Malfoy wanted to hide from Pansy? Was he about to see the mysterious broken object so important to mend? Petrificus totalis. Without warning, Malfoy pointed his wand at Harry, who was instantly paralyzed. As though in slow motion, he toppled out of the luggage rack and fell with an agonizing, floor-shaking crash at Malfoy's feet. The invisibility cloak trapped beneath him as his whole body revealed and his legs curled absurdly into the cramped kneeling position. He couldn't move a muscle. He could only gaze up at Malfoy, who smiled broadly. I thought so, he said jubilantly. I heard Goyle's trunk hit you. I thought I saw something white flash through the air after Zabini came back. 
His eyes lingered for a moment upon Harry's trainers. You didn't hear anything that I care about, Potter. But while I've got you here... He stamped hard on Harry's face. Harry felt his nose break. Blood spurted everywhere. That's from my father. Now, let's see. Malfoy dragged the cloak out from under Harry's immobilized body and threw it over him. I don't reckon they'll find you until the train's back in London, he said quietly. See you around, Potter. Or not. And taking care to tread on Harry's fingers, Malfoy left the compartment. And that's the end of tonight's chapter. So, I will be coming back in just a moment. i got to take a quick break. Got to uh, go fill up my water. Feeling a little dry. <laughs> but after that, we will be doing beans. And that is, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say, the last chapter for tonight. Um, only the one chapter tonight. I want to give a big thanks, of course, to Mr. Foos, who helped me find all the art for today, and to uh, Ashling, a.k.a. Twisty Fox, um, who actually offered up some of her own art for this. I would love to uh, to take a look at any art that y'all have done for these things. Um, and uh, I'm also interested in art for um, Chat Plays Dungeon World. And I tend to look at the art and then build encounters based on that. So if you've got anything sort of, you know, fantasy, Dungeons and Dragons-y related, um, do definitely feel free to send that my way. If you're interested in having that on the show, I would love to put it in there. Um, and uh, of course you will be credited with it, obviously. Um, because uh, you've done a fantastic job so far. All right. I'll be back in five. I'll see you in just a bit. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone. I am back. One quick reminder. Please do not forget, um, if you are in the Discord, please go to the notifications channel. It's new. It's up at the top uh, near the schedule channel. Um, for the next, uh, let's see, we've had one week of it. I'm going to do another week of uh, regular, like, at everyone notifications. And then after that, I'm going to have it set up such that... Um... <laughs> oh, shoot. Um, after that, I'm going to have it set up that you only get the... Uh, you only get the notifications for what you need. Um, I, you can, you can, I've got it divided up into four things right now. Dungeon World, uh, you know, gaming, vintage stuff, and Harry Potter... Um, you can go ahead and change your notification settings such that you only get notified about the stuff that you want to. Again, for the next week, I'm still going to be doing the at everyone stuff, uh, but until then, uh, go ahead and mark off the notifications that you want to get. That way, you don't need to get bothered with, uh, say, vintage stuff if you're only interested in the, you know, Dungeon World stuff. Okay, I'm back. Once again, we've, we're only doing the one chapter tonight, so we're all finished up there. What on earth... What did you... I don't even know where you find these gifts, Tuna. I'm glad you do, though. It's so funny. It's a banana. A flavor Sam knows. Hey there, folks. Welcome to Sidecar Stories. A flavor Sam knows. Banana. I'm just gonna... Put a, it's a happy little accident over here. All right. We're doing beans, folks. Now, as some of you know, I do... Uh, I'm, I do five beans. Um, but... Y'all can incur more of them by sharing um, sharing or posting anything with the hashtag HPOutloud. I'll put that in both of the chats right now. Um, now, I, I check these 
Sometimes before streams, sometimes it's before the break, but wait, what? Hold on, what just happened there? Why is it? Hold on, it won't let me. No. <laughs> Discord's giving me trouble. There we go. All right, so uh, anytime you share uh, or post anything with that hashtag, then that earns Moss Beans. So go ahead and uh, get the word out there. Let people know about this channel. I would love to get more people in here so we can, uh, we can increase the discussion. I love talking about the things during and after the chapters. Um, I have a great time with it, and uh, I would love for people to be able to experience this with us. So um, I did check it. You haven't earned any extra beans this week, you punks. But I realize we've only been working this hashtag for one week, so that's all right. Maybe next time. So, I summoned my beans assistant. To which her answer is apparently... The Bean Queen cometh. Bean Queen. I'm going to mute this for the plastic bag noises. All right, folks. Here we go. I'm ready. As usual, here's our schedule for the week. On Tuesdays, uh, next week I really am doing the uh, the uh, how to RPG uh, workshop. Uh, it's going to be a stream. It's going to be here on Mixer. It's going to be on Tuesday at. Um, it'll be on Discord as well. Um, uh, it'll be on Discord, but I don't think it'll be. Hmm. No, I would have to cast into two different Discords at once. It's not going to be on Discord. It's only going to be on Mixer. I'm sorry. It's a technical issue. I apologize. Um, but I am going to be doing that. Um, I am going to uh, essentially run through how to play RPGs just in general, because it's something that I think people can do online right now, something that's good for quarantine times. Um, I will be looking into whether or not I can do it into this Discord as well. We shall see, but I would say for the most part, count on it being on Mixer, because there's a, a pretty heavy visual element to it as well. So, I don't, that's on Tuesday. 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Very kind of nutty flavors. Some, some, uh, that one's a popcorn one. That, that one's popcorn. I'm sticking with it. Popcorn. What's up? Chocolate pudding or dog food? I mean, I guess dog food, but I'm telling you, this is very popcorny. It it's like when you get the kernel at the end. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How dare you? Oh, no. I can't see to monitor that. For shame. All right, well, folks, the dog food one's not bad either. That or the, like all the chocolate flavor flavor has gone out of the. I don't think this can't be. This can't be chocolate pudding. Dog food, I guess, but I'm telling you, it's a, it's very popcorn, popcorn-esque. Okay. Popcornish. Okay. All right. Zero out of one, I guess. I guess, punks. Whatever. Please. But I tell you what, folks. 
Uh, anything with that hashtag that does pop up tonight will get counted toward next week, so get on it. Ah. Thank you very much. <laughs> on Wednesday, we are playing... Um, somebody put it in chat. <laughs> on Wednesday, we are playing... Um, actually, I should bite into it first, shouldn't I? That way I've got to talk with it just like ruminating. I don't... There we go. On Wednesday, we are playing Disco Elysium. Right, every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, we made maybe the most progress we have ever made in that game last session and then earned a ton of XP right at the end. So jump into that one. It's a lot of fun. Fantastic art. Even if the, uh, the story plods along a little bit slower than your average stream game. All right, let's see. What kind of what kind of flavors am I experiencing here? There's, I think it's supposed to be a bad bean. I'm getting a lot of that sort of like bad, bad umami flavor. The udaddy flavor. That's a, that's a goof from the podcast, My Brother and My Brother and Me. I'm pretty sure I just said My Brother and My Brother and Me. It's not, it's just My Brother, My Brother and Me. Um, the uh, the very bad version of the flavor, Udaddy. I think I'm getting some of that. Um, there's also definitely a sweetness to it. There's kind of a, um, it's a little bit astringent. It's drying my mouth out a little bit. Hmm. I don't think it's a flavor I know, if I'm honest. It's also got a little, It's. I might have already said this, it's got a little bit of sweetness to it. Um, hmm. Some of that like bitterness, some of that astringentness, I'm gonna go with dishwater or dish liquid or whatever it is, dishwasher. Stinky socks. Dang it, I am never any good at this. Really? Those keep punking me. What's What really is the difference between stinky socks and a dishwasher? Especially when you use your dishwasher to clean your stinky socks. It just all blends together. Ew. You don't... You haven't been doing that? Every time I load the dishwasher, I, I fill it full of my socks. <laughs> Some wet socks out of there. Yeah, soggy. It's nice. Nice and soggy. All right. That is 042. Over two. Next up, on Thursdays, the most exciting project within the Sidecar Stories umbrella, Chat Plays Dungeon World. I am super excited about how it's gone so far. We've got uh, we got the voices in. Uh, I've been adding uh, the music as well. It is so much fun. Um, I'm really enjoying the uh, the process of it and uh, how it's been different. I don't. Um, different from running an actual, you know, a, a sort of in-person campaign. It's been really different and fascinating. And um, But overall, if you've ever been interested in Dungeons & Dragons, don't know what it's about, feel free to just come watch it. We're telling a really fun story regardless of whether or not you're even interested in playing. But I hope you'll play. I hope you come check it out. It starts at 1 p.m. on Thursdays. This is a good bean. Good. It is a good fruity bean. What kind of fruit do you think it is? Well, I don't know, because I don't recognize the difference between different artificial fruit flavors. Let's see. It's a little tangy, but not like acidic, like an orange, I don't think. Oh, uh, this is going to be the, the uh, uh, this will be peach. Final answer? Yeah. Peach. Peach. I win. I got one. I got one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just noodling her with my foot. <laughs> 
noodle, noodle, noodle. Noodle in her knees. Gwen says, I don't know if I really want to try these beans or if I never want to try these beans. I would say it's safe to never try them. You can eat the blue ones. The good ones, you're not really missing anything, and the bad ones, you really don't want to encounter. So I would say don't bother with it. Don't bother with it. Ah, num, num, num. That's a weird combination with the sticky sock flavor, though. It's not great. Don't love that. Overall, though, that was a good, good solid peach bean. Ah. Okay. Next up, let's do it. Um. By the way, I have heard. <laughs> this is gonna be dumb. I have heard some people um wondering what my slughorn voice is. Um. I just got a really strong maple syrup smell. It wasn't from this bean, though. This is definitely a bad bean. Oh. <laughs> I can't chew it. I can't move my mouth. Otherwise, it moves around. Moves the flavor around. Sort of distributes it. Got to keep it under my tongue or something. Um. So. Oh, this is bad. I think this one's bomb. Is, I don't know yet. Hold on. Okay, get through my stick. Every Thursday, of course, we do uh, Harry Potter. Um, it's at the same time. Uh, we've been doing it at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So whatever time this one started. Maybe about five minutes before because I was a little late today. Um, and then uh, for all the stuff that I do, you should be able to find those episodes on a one-week delay up on YouTube. And at uh, maybe a few minutes delay available for two weeks on Mixer. So... After a few minutes, even this one will be available immediately for you to uh, to watch if you're coming in late and you want to catch the chapter. All right, here we go. Oh, yeah, it's super acidic and and uh, horky. This is vomit. It's spoiled milk. Spoiled milk. It's super bad. This might be the worst spoiled milk one. Hmm. Hmm. Michaela, you are super right. I gotta change that. Where is that? Um, bah, come on. There we go. Um, yeah, it doesn't see. It does indeed say six p.m. It's not. It's four p.m. That's an um, that's been up there for a while. Okay. Cool. Well, that's sorted anyway. All right. One more. That was rough. Um, and I do not currently have a recording of chapter 14 of book five. I know that one's contentious. It got pulled off of YouTube. And until I know why, I'm a little hesitant to re-record it. Okay. Again? Shoo, shoo. The new one got pulled up? No, so it's the original one. A book five? Yeah. What book are you on right now? Six. Dang. Ah. All right. Our final beam. Out. As always, thank you all very much for joining me. I think this one's a soda bean. It's a good bean. And on a good note, folks, 
thank you so much for listening. Um, remember, anytime you you share a post with the hashtag HP Out Loud, that's gonna add a bean to my total for next week. So go ahead, share it. Let people know about the show. I really enjoy doing it, and uh, the more people we've got in here, the more interesting our discussions will be. Um, I like that people like when I eat the beans. See you next week, folks. I think this is going to be, I think this was a soda bean. This might have been, a, I think this might have been an orange soda bean. Does that sound right? No. Maybe a cherry soda bean. No. I think it's a, is it a soda bean? Yes. Yeah? <laughs> well, then I think I'm in. Put it on the board, Michaela. <laughs> And don't forget, everybody, I will be in the Discord for our post-stream discussion afterward. Oh, Tuna says, you're good friends. We're watching some of the D&D stream today. Fantastique. Oh. Wonderful. You got to get them to subscribe if you want him to eat more beans. The subscription thing is off the list. That one, that one was like, oh. that one's wonky. That one's harder to track. This one is super easy. So, um, thank you all very much for listening. Uh, and I will see you in a week. Go jump out of the Discord. I'll text talk at you there. We'll talk about Neville. Goodbye. <laughs>